So this trying to bring that attitude of just commit and trust and believe into whatever else you do in your life, right? Like in, in this case, work. It, that, that I'm going to go into this knitting business. I'm going to start it. I'm going to go into my life, my bigger picture life, um, looking at what's around me and committing to things rather than doing little half steps like, oh, you know, that little whiny voice. You got to silence the whiny voice. That was Beth Whiteside, knitting teacher and designer on this episode of the Power Pearls podcast, where you'll always hear candid conversations with everyday knitters and designers with compelling backstories. I'm Kara Gott Warner, editor of Creative Knitting Magazine, and I will dig deep and ask the big question, why we started knitting and what keeps our needles going. Before we jump in, let me just share a little bit about my guest today. Her name is Beth Whiteside. She's a knitting teacher, designer, and technical editor. Her designs have been published in Creative Knitting, Knitters Magazine, as well as by Cascade Yarns, Claudia's Hand Paint, Fiesta Yarns, and Red Heart. She's been teaching locally since 2003 and nationally at Stitches Expos since 2005. What she loves most about teaching is finding ways to make light bulbs pop in her students' heads and helping them grow as knitters. I think you're really going to love the little value bombs that uh, we provided in this episode. We talk about the concept of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable with your knitting and in life. And how that junk in your life, so to speak, can serve us and give us more joy if we're okay and accept it. I really love chatting with Beth because when we put our heads together, some really amazing stuff emerges. I consider Beth one of my go-to girls for Creative Knitting Magazine. So when I'm looking for a design that I want as a real highlight in the magazine or to fill a hole, Beth is one of those people that I go to. And when we start talking, you know, just amazing things begin to emerge. We get really excited about new ideas. And these are very special relationships I'd love to have with people. She's one of those people I love to connect with. You know, it's nice to have people in our lives that we're on the same page with, like we can almost read each other's minds, so to speak. And I feel lucky to be able to work with Beth and also consider her a friend. And before I release each episode, I spent a lot of time in editing, you know, and the biggest part of that, of that editing process is me going back and listening to every episode because, you know, I want to do what I'm doing right now is just add my little bit of commentary, just a little bit of extra at the beginning of every episode, just, just so that you can know what's coming up. And sometimes I might be sitting with a cup of tea, but you know, I'm always knitting while I'm listening. And that's the thing that really makes this this whole process of podcasting so magical and so connected because while I'm listening to a knitter, designer, something that's going to inspire my knitting, I'm also knitting at the same time. It's really fun. 
it'll be, it was really fun going back to listening to our talk because you'll hear how we go down some funny little rabbit holes, which I think you'll find amusing. So if you're out running, walking, or driving, I think this episode will be nice company. So I hope you enjoy. Hey, Beth, thanks for joining me today on the Power Pearls podcast. Hey, Kara, thanks for having me. I'm delighted to have a chance to talk to you. You know, just like a couple of weeks ago, we just f- finished up taping an Annie's uh, video class together, and it's a uh, it's color work without the work, uh, which is on sale right now. So, uh, actually, no, I'm excited. <laughs> so I know, ah. I know, and um, so you know, we had so many insights together because you know, while you were here, we we spent a lot of time chatting, and we had dinner, and you know, talking about the industry and, and where it's headed, and oh you know, my gosh, how did we ever stop talking? We were just talking, talking. It was hard to get back to work. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's really cool to be able to do that. And also, we talked about um, you know, how knitting re- relates to you know overall health and wellness. Um, and I know that you have something to say about that. And I, and, you know, I thought about this because, you know, I said, wow, I really want to get Beth on Power Pearls. And, uh, you know, when I asked you, asked you some questions during the ask the instructor portion of your, of your, your online class, you know, it, there's a lot of, you know, kind of off the cuff, candid conversation that happens. And I thought, Ooh, that's something that we really should jump, you know, jump into. And so, and I asked you, you know, how, how you feel that knitting enhances that part of your life. And so, you know, I wanted to ask you about that. So we'll jump in, but you know, before we do that, Uh (laughs) can you share a little bit about yourself? Oh, goodness. Um, a little bit about myself. Well, uh, I live in San Francisco, but I grew up in the Northeast in Connecticut, lived in Massachusetts for many years, um, worked in software, actually have a degree in biotechnology, um, and, but ended up doing software for many, many years. And it was interesting to me that that company that I worked for back then, um, I was doing software quality assurance and um, we, a little group of us all sat together at lunch and we discovered that we all like to work with our hands. I mean, in fact, the larger group was people who like to work with their hands. There was a guy that did chain mail. Wow. <laughs> I, I know, chain mail. Not that far from knitting, really. No. Not too far. Um, but we had a huge group, huge group. I mean, define huge, really. Um Maybe six or eight of us also like to knit. And that was after I'd gotten back into knitting. I think in the um, course, I mentioned that my friend Katie actually is the one that started me knitting again with a lopey sweater. And then after that, it just kind of went boom, 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 and I couldn't stop. Um, This group of knitters that I was with, sitting with at lunch, um, you know, we inspired each other. We helped each other out. We went out shopping at the local yarn store. and it was, I think it was an antidote to all of that uh, cerebral work, you know, software testing, software coding, all of that is, is very in the mind, of the mind. Um, you're not producing anything physically. Um, and, uh, you know, knitting is producing something physical, yet also entails a, a mental engagement of some kind. Um, you know, it can be a low-level engagement. I'm just following the pattern and having a soothing time. Or it can be creative. It can be like, wow, I'm learning this new technique and I'm yarning over and knitting two together. And your brain can be fully engaged. It can be whatever you want it to be at the moment. 
It should not be stressful at all, though. If you're stressed out, if it's that much of a challenge, it might be time to back oh, yeah. off a little. I mean, I can I can think of those times where, you know, uh, I could look at a stockinette, you know, sweater. That's a really good test, right? When you're like, wow, you can yeah. almost, it's almost <laughs> like brainwave patterns or, a, you know, chart, like a graph pattern. Like, Absolutely. Mm, right there. Oh, gosh, I was really angry right there. Or I had too much to drink right over there. No. <laughs> you know? That's the part that disappears because you have to rib it back, right? Absolutely. Ooh, mistake. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think that, uh, I know when I think back to my life anyway, uh, when I started knitting, I was in a really stressful place. I mean, I worked in New York City and I was, you know, uh, gosh, working in the garment center. And I remember, and I will say, yes, I was smoking cigarettes and crying every day. And <laughs> I just, yeah, I was. Oh, and I discovered this uh, yarn shop no longer there. It's called uh, Knitting, uh, sorry, The Yarn Connection. It was on Madison Avenue. And I worked on Fifth Avenue, right in the, the heart of the garment center and all the hustle and bustle. And I was just walking around one day and I found this, it's like a Mecca, you know? And it was like a, it was walking in, it was like walking into a country knitting store. And the women, you know, in the, in the shop were so inviting and Oh my gosh. And that was it. And I, every single day on my lunch break, <laughs> I chose to knit instead of smoke. And that was the beginning. Seriously. Bravo. that And I say that to everyone listening, like seriously now, uh, you know, it's been, it's been proven that your brain waves can change when you knit, just like the same way when you meditate, you know, I mean, it's like, well, you've heard that, that saying a couple of years ago, it was really hot. The knitting, you know, knitting is the new yoga. Um, it yes. still applies. I mean, like I've been talking a lot about on this podcast about the initiative that the CYCA Craft Yarn Council, uh, for anyone that doesn't know mm-hmm. what that is, a couple of years ago, they started the uh, knitting for your health and, you know, crocheting for your health. And they got mm-hmm. medical professionals, and wellness people and, you know, people that could read, read brainwaves, uh, you know, and, and basically it's been documented yeah. that in fact you can change, you know, your, your mood and your attitude when you pick up your needles. Right. Right. It's kind of like, um, one of the other things that I've heard somewhere else, um, was even just smiling. Right. Cause you know, if you, if someone smiles at you, it can, it sets off something, it, you have a reaction to it. And so if you smile and make a joke at the grocery store clerk who is having a bad day, uh, chances are if you, you might, tip their mood in the other direction just by smiling at them. Um, and, you know, knitting, of course, um, when you're looking down at that fabric developing underneath your fingers, mm-hmm. you know, it, that's a happy moment. It really moment. is. It really uh-huh. is. And I think, I don't know about you, but like I, you know, I kind of think that moment, that pivotal moment for me was that experience when I was in the garment, working in the garment center. But what about for you? I mean, like, you know, as the tag line implies, we are uh, going to right. share candid backstories, <laughs> you know? So what do you, uh, do you yes. have that backstory, Beth? Um, I, I do. Um, so, you know, I had, I had started knitting again, and, and that was a hobby, and that was while I was in software. Um, but, you know, then I worked 10 years at that work, and it was challenging, and the industry itself was evol- evolving and developing, which was exciting in a way. But if after you've done something a while, you know, it gets a little old if you're not challenged. And I'm a person that likes to do new things. Um, so 
In the interview after the color work without the work at the end, the editor's interview, I, I mentioned this story, but I'll go over it for those who might not have, have heard it. Um, I, I was in the East Coast and I came out to the West Coast for a job interview. Um, and after the, during the interview, the interviewer had asked me um, something that made me bring up my knitting. Uh, it was, you know, she, I think she was trying to get a, a handle on how my brain worked. Um, and so I was explaining to her, you know, I, I was just explaining something about my knitting. And afterwards, we went out for a drink afterwards. And she said, you know, your face really lit up um, when you began talking about your knitting. Hmm. And I filed that away in the back of my head somewhere. And, um, and, I, and I look back on it now and I think, oh, that was foreshadowing. So, you know, in 2002, um, having moved here to the West Coast uh, with my then husband, and it was, you know, the hot, um, hot place to be, you know, here in Silicon Valley area, San Francisco. So somewhere in there, you know, I, I, after I hadn't gotten that other job and I'm out in Silicon Valley and, and um, things were a little stressful personally. Um, I took some classes in writing, creative writing. I thought I could be a writer. And then I took some graphic design classes, figuring maybe I should be a graphic designer. You know, I was trying to find out what I was good at. And, you know, and I look back at it now, the fact that is I was pretty good at all of them. I just needed to, and, and my ex-husband said this to me at one point, he looked at me in exasperation. He goes, just pick something. <laughs> so um, the thing that I picked for, for the time being for, for an interim while I was considering the bigger picture was to go work in a local yarn shop. And in that local yarn shop, I, I, um, I helped people pick out yarn for sweaters. I helped them solve their problems. I, I um, was asked to teach classes and I taught classes for, for her. Um, that was a little shop that I think is still there. Grace Cooper, bless her heart, uh, and may she rest in peace. She hired me to, you know, and asked me to teach classes there. And it was that experience. I just loved teaching people stuff. I loved putting together classes. Um, figuring out what people might want to, you know, what they had trouble with, what they might want to learn, and and ways to help them get there, both in how to say it and little projects that could be part of the class. So that kind of set me on this path. Um, and so, you know, in 2002, when I had that, you know, just pick something, mm -hmm. I, and I was working at the local yarn store, I thought, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to start a business. And I started my first little business, you know, found out all I had to do to get a business license. And the first business, CJ Knit, I didn't really know what it was going to be about. And I explored selling knits. I explored uh, making patterns of my own. And I think uh, they, if I've done all my work correctly, they should be available now on Ravelry. Mm. Uh, those older patterns, I'm re-releasing them in an so e-format. So you said it's CJ Knits. These are, this, is, this was your very first indie collection of patterns. Yes, and it was uh, C. Jane, oh, as in C. C. Spot Run. C. Jane. Okay, because I'm going to put that in the show notes for, so was, anyone can find out. Okay. Yeah, and so this was part That's of a the cool name. Um, problem. <laughs> it is, but part of the problem with the name was I speak it on the phone and maybe I don't enunciate clearly enough and people hear CJ. Yeah, that's what I CJ. thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So as 
cute as it was and I wanted it to be a friendly name. I had wanted it to be friendly and I thought, well, you know, Spot and Jane and Sally, you know, they were all friendly people. <laughs> um, and they learn stuff. You know, you learn stuff from those primers. Uh, but anyway, so the name the name is now Beth Whiteside Design. It, it many years on, I you know the, what I have been doing has mutated and changed, which actually I think is is an, has been really interesting and fascinating um, to see how it evolved over time. So it it began trying to sell stuff and the, the pattern line and and mm-hmm. teaching, and the teaching continued continued on in in um, in two thousand. Four or five, um, I had been attending Stitches, uh, the national national events um, put on by XRX, and I had said something casually to to turned out she was the event coordinator about you know hey you know be fun to teach, uh, I teach locally, and she said well come on over and and you know help us out with our learn to knit program and we'll see how it goes and and that. <laughs> you know, turned, it was a huge turning point mm. for me was to um, teach for them. And that went well and teach for them nationally. Um, but in terms of um, backstories and candid and aha moments and stuff, I think so that, that the first starting the business in 2002 was a turning point. 2005 also um, marked a personal turning point for me because my husband and I at the time separated um, divorced, and we had a little kid to to um, support and work back and forth on. So I went back into software part time, and so that kind of set my career back in the industry uh, a bit. But I, I was doing a lot of no, knitting. Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely was calming and helpful, and um, you know he was. My son was very well dressed at the time. There was a lot of, um, you know, Elizabeth Zimmerman baby yeah, surprises. Yeah, just like the, were, were those uh, the, the uh, baby surprise sweaters that you brought? Set. Those those yeah. your son actually wore. Some of them, yeah, not the not, not the, the girly one. one. Some of them. <laughs> no, he had a, a very colorful one, and uh, he had several. You know, Aww. he had a red one, he had a blue one, he had a multicolor one that was kind of like Joseph's coat of many colors. Very striped that one. Very striped because stripes are another theme that we're going to, you know, I got obsessed with uh, for the class. Um, and so I went back into software for a while, uh, part-time, and, and that was a great experience. That company is looking to do very good work. Small plug for them. ACFO, Internet Tools for Development Aid Organizations. Um, they were great. But, you know, again, all things over time, you need to advance your yourself and um i realized somewhere in 2012 and and they helped me with this <laughs> um that sometimes things aren't working and you need a push out of the nest you need a push off the cliff and yeah, we're going to throw lots of oh, metaphorical yeah. language out here um and so i um was a little bit forced a little bit pushed but you know, ultimately knew it was the right thing that we part ways. And I decided it was time to go all in, in knitwear mm. again, in, in this world, you know, without having a, another second income behind me, um, I was going to step off the cliff or really dive off the cliff, woo, like a cliff diver, um, and give it a shot. Um, and trust the universe, so this was this is another thing that's been a big theme for me in the last few years. Every year I'm trying to get a little bit past the things that have uh, internally challenged me, uh, the the little 
things that hold me back inside. And, and I, you know, they're, they're my things. They're things I've put in place and I want to get rid of them now. Mm-hmm. And fear is the biggest yeah. one of those, right? Fear of success, fear of failure, trust issues. So, so this, you know, trust the universe, you know, I, I'm maybe not a very religious person. I, I'm maybe a little bit on the agnostic side of things, but I do believe in trusting the universe. If I can create an awareness which also now touches back to getting into the state of calmness where you can feel things that mm-hmm. our new yoga can get us into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it will, it will kind of guide you. You can kind of say, you know, I've had these, these events have happened recently in my life. These things are here. Should I do X, Y, or Z? And kind of go, uh, <laughs> which one feels exactly. right? Oh, yeah. I, I'm pulled to Z. I'm pulled towards Z. Yeah. And I think so. that it's when you take that leap of faith, you know, it's like forces, oh, yeah, forces oh, oh. come together. Scary. I like, I was listening to a podcast. You'll hear me say this a lot in this podcast, um, that I was listening to a podcast, but, um, it's really so important. Like when you decide to make a decision, you know, that you, you know, yeah, you yeah. talked about fear, but you, mm-hmm. you have to, believe like the single the way they said this was like you the single most the biggest problem for failure in in entrepreneurship is uh discouragement Mm -hmm. and not believing that you can do it you know you can make it happen because it's it's like yes you said the universe uh whatever it is there's something much bigger than us that's at play. And you can say, woo, woo, whatever, Absolutely. you know, and, and you don't believe just because you can't cog- cognize something or, you know, see it with your yes. eyes. It does not mean that it's not real, you know, because this there. is a gross yep. experience that we're now we're going into a whole different realm here, Beth. But it's true <laughs> that, you know, right. As this is have. a gross experience, meaning our gross bodies, our gross mind, like mm-hmm. when we fall asleep, we're not experiencing that gross mind and body. Like we don't, we're not even here. So it's getting into this. It's so really that to me that says, I don't need to trust everything I see with my naked human being. eye. there's more there that I can't really see, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, and it, yes, exactly. Uh, and, um, and, and this, this idea of trusting it and, uh, and letting go of the fear, I think the biggest thing for me, or one of the, well, okay, there's many big things in my world, but one of the big things was letting go of the fear and just going, I'm going to fall and I will catch myself. Mm. I will catch myself. And to not let the, another little point that I I would love to make is, so one of the other things I've done a lot in my life is played ultimate Frisbee. Sport with a Frisbee, kind of like football. Mm. Uh, Most people know about it now or many people know about it now and I played it for many years at a high level and so when when I'd be out out there on the field one of the things that you know is true of many sports is yeah you know you're better off committing there is no like half steps there is no half measures you can't just oh well maybe I'll cut now it doesn't work and so like you have to just say I'm going to cut now and if I'm in the wrong place I'm in the wrong place I'll get I'll get out um, and again, make us whatever sport you, you folks out there might do, make an analogy there, like think in your head, you know, you're going down a ski slope. You, if you just go, oh, I'm going to fall, you're going to mm-hmm. face plant mm-hmm. right away. 
so this trying to bring that attitude of just commit and trust and believe into whatever else you do in your life, right? Like in, in this case, work, it, that, that I'm going to go into this knitting business, I'm going to start it, I'm going to go into my life, my bigger picture life, um, looking at what's around me and committing to things rather than doing little half steps like, oh, yeah. you know, that little whiny voice, you got to silence the whiny Absolutely. voice. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I think it's also uh, where... <laughs> Like, you know, that, that saying of getting out of your comfort zone, you know, getting comfortable with uncomfortable, but you know, it's the, when I really feel it, it, you know, when that, that phrase bounces into my heart for real, um, you realize that there's, I mean, not to be a Debbie Downer, but there's more in life that's, you know, there's less joy. I mean, you can have joy in your life if you realize that, you know, it's, I'm not supposed to brush away all the junk and only get good all the time because life is mostly filled with struggle and things that are, you know, challenges, but they're there that they're there. They're there to be used. I think they can be used in a really helpful way. And, you know, um, but I wanted to, my little kind of analogy or metaphor, whatever we want to call it, you were with your Frisbee, uh, ultimate Frisbee. I was a really, I was really big into, you know, mountain biking trail, mostly trail biking, but sort of semi mountain biking. And I would go out, this is when I was dating, uh, it was an ex-boyfriend and, um, and I would go out with a bunch of guys. I was the only woman. And yes. so I yes. was petrified well, because here's the twofold thing. I have a bear phobia. And this was when I was living in New Jersey. And so black bears were everywhere, are everywhere in New Jersey. Uh, and so uh, and so I remember feeling like, no way am I going to get left at the end of this pack because I'm not going to see a black bear. <laughs> I was always, I was just, it's weird. Uh, but also the other irrational, irrational fears. We but all the have other a- side of it, Beth, yeah. is... Uh, you know, when you're, when you're going on those wacky little windy trails that have this big drop, this big kind of like, if you stop and look down, then I would lose my, 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 uh, nerve. But if I just kept going, my bike was moving, I didn't have time to think about it and I would do it. And I was like, I'm like, wow, I did. I, wait a minute. I did that. Okay. So then I I got to this point where I knew I'm like, don't stop. Cause if you stop, you're going to look down that hill and all the way, you're going to look at the rocks. You're going to start to convince yourself, hmm, I don't know. Um, let me see if I can figure out another way to go. Let me see how I can get out of this. And then it's... There's another part of the brain that starts overthinking things. Craziness. Yes. You'll stop yourself. You you got to have yeah. momentum. Yeah. Like sharks. Yeah. <laughs> Move or so, die. Um, let me just switch gears a little bit here because I wanted to ask you... Sure. What, so, and I know, because I work with you, you know, uh, a lot, I mean, extensively uh, with creative, in creative knitting, creative knitting, you do yep. a lot, a uh, lot of projects, lots of like problem solving kind of projects, conceptual, that's what I love about you. But, you know, um, you know, I wanted to ask you, I'm well, already, already you. answering your question, but what fascinates <laughs> you about, because I think I know who you are, what, what fascinates you about knitting the most? I mean, is it color? Is it solving those problems? Because, you know, I see that your engineering background helps dictate, you know, a lot of what you, you do. And it's amazing how, you know, you see those stepping stones in life never never uh discount or dismiss anything that you've that's come before because they're all stepping stones and it seems to me that your engineering background has yep. served you greatly Absolutely. as a knitwear designer and also a lot of de- designers they're all it's all the math and the geometry i mean i i have a background is in bookkeeping yes. so like 
it's like, woo, math, you know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so, so do you, uh, tell me, like, do you, do you agree with what I just said about you? <laughs> um, pretty, pretty, pretty much. Um, it was funny cause, uh, it, I was thinking about this. Um, one of the other things we've sort of been talking about is, um, about designing and, um, you know, what's a typical design day look like? We haven't been talking about that yet so far, but, but yeah. that's one of the things that we were talking about. We'll get to that. About. We'll get to that. And <laughs> yes. And, and so one of my thoughts there was that I, I don't really have, you know, the, the way that people might envision what a designing day consists of. One of my thoughts around that was, really, it's spending a lot of time with a spreadsheet. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> right in front of you. Um, so there's that. So in this sense, yes, um, that's that's certainly a part of where the fact that I'm not really scared of math um, comes in handy. Um, and um, I talk about my education, my degree in biotechnology, and I'll say that um, I never use it, and I use it uh, all the time. Yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> so one of the one of the goals I went to a school called WPI, and and their goal was to uh, teach engineers thinking ways to think about things and solutions, not necessarily just rote plug and play answers to questions. Um, and I admire that about that school very much. And, and it's been kind of their thing. And I, I think that the the skills that I got there um, about how to solve problems definitely play with everything I do. I, I love actually, um, well, a lot of my designing, it's not that I don't like to just look at shapes and go out there and do what I'm going to call air quote true designing like just to you know come across a stitch pattern and be inspired to turn it into something and look at it and go what would this stitch pattern like to become with this yarn that I've got over here in my other hand you, you guys can't see I'm gesturing one hand in one <laughs> hand um, but um, it's often right now in the service of something else so you know I've gotten a call from designs or I've talked from creative knitting or somewhere else, or I'm talking to you, Kara, and, and um, you have inspired me a lot, our conversations about, you know, what are we going to, what areas are coming up next? Um, and I'll, I'll look at it and go, huh, well, what would, what could, what could support that concept mm -hmm. of that issue of the magazine or that issue of whatever the design call it might be? And, um, or, you know, more, more, usually it's me trying to teach, come up with a class and thinking, okay, so the class is going to be about this. Um, and what little project should we do? Can it do it? Ah, swatches, just doing swatches. I could have them just do swatches, but wouldn't it be cool if we could make something while we learn yeah. this stuff? Um, or um, articles for the magazine. Like we're, I've got a couple I've, over, the, over the last, oh, I don't know. I want to say it's even eight years um because i worked with creative knitting before you were with them yeah and i, um, I was gonna say that you know because you took a little bit of a hiatus there for a while and then I when i came on board and i i just met you it was like random at tnna when you were with oh, gwen bortner was, and i was like oh beth whiteside because you know i saw your name in the magazine and i'm thinking like in the older issues and I thought, well, what yes. what gives? You know, like um, she do, she's got a lot of lot of good stuff to offer, and I'd really love to work with her. And I know that she, I know, I just had this feeling that we would 
click, you know? Well, um, and, and talk about the universe again, because you were coming down one aisle and I was coming up the other aisle and, and I'd been thinking about you and you, you said you'd been thinking about <laughs> me and that was just so funny. one of these things that's been to Exactly. Me. And I was talking about yes. when I, I, I said TNNA, for those of you listening, uh, it's the National Needle, Needle Arts Association trade show. It's like a big deal for, it's like Vegas for knitters. Just so you know, like, you know, in the knitting industry, yarn, a yarn industry. And that's, that's where I connected with Beth. And it's amazing. So if you're a designer, you know, you want to get in to the industry, that's, that's like something to check out. You could always, you know, check, you could always write me on the side and I'll, tell you all about it i'm a big cheerleader for tna day or beth will tell you and you'll come the other direction down an aisle and there kara will be coming at you oh I, it's like my and peeps it's like i'm going to see my peeps i tell you it's like i'm running to hug people like you know it's it's a great industry absolutely um but I was going to say, uh, and, and this is funny because oh, right. you were... it just reminds me of how when I we reconnected um, and we decided, we said, hey, every issue, let's get on Skype and brainstorm. Um, and we stopped mm-hmm. doing that for a while because, you know, I got busy, you get busy. Yeah. And it's like you send out send out busy the letter happens. and say, here's the, here's the, you know, here are the topics for the next issue and, uh, you know, send me in something. But, you know, there's something more dynamic about this. I'm much, much more of a visual, verbal person. Email makes me absolutely bonkers. I can't stand email. (laughs) Oh, I can't. And, you know, um, I'd rather. Well, there's something to have in a conversation like this that we can get the nuance. Mm -hmm. Words on in electronically or on paper are just so hard. So ripe for misunderstanding. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's so true. I can tell you that there was just something, I won't even name the person, uh, someone who I love, uh, you know, designer friend, and we had a miscommunication and it was like the words in my head were a different perception than the words in her head. You know what I'm saying? Like the way the words exactly. are written, it's dangerous. Exactly. Um, and I think it was Tim Ferriss, author Tim Ferriss that said, uh, you know, cause he's like really against email, you know, he's telling you, he, he's like an advocate for like, check your email <laughs> twice a day or something insane. Like I'd get fired for that. But, um, no, but I mean like it's, uh, it's a, it's a discipline, but he says, uh, it's other people sending you their agendas. And when you think about it, it really is. So when you're in the mood, you're saying, okay, right now, okay, I'm going to check my email and I'll let people come into my, into my space. Cause that's what it is. Every Mm -hmm. email that comes to you, it's posing a different problem. Sometimes it's, it's like a problem. You're like, how, how am I going to solve this one? And I'm not even in the right mind space for this right now. And then, okay, mark on red, I'll see it later. And then you're, then you're left with a sea of emails. So instead, and I've turned off my notif. I can't believe we're going in this whole different direction. But anyway, you know, like I turned off, (laughs) I turned off the notifications, you know, because I, (laughs) on Outlook, um, because, you know, that's a reactor. Like people say, oh, I better jump on that one. I turn it off and I I do. But yeah, I can easily sit there all day and literally say, what did I do? But nothing but check email. So for me, I get easily 50 50 emails a day. It's just uh, insanity. I'm sure. Um, But anyway, so so let's circle circle back back around. around But then I was going to, unless I cut you off and you had another point, but I was going to ask you to now talk about, since you brought it up and we're kind of in a segueing to that, talk about an ideal, you know, a typical... An ideal designing designing day, day, yes. (laughs) Um, So as I may have, or I started to say, I'm not sure I have one. You know, my days, it's actually apropos where you're just coming from because um, I would describe, the word I would use to describe my days are fractured um, and full of the different things that I try to do. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So, so one of my friends and I, you know, he and I have a joke uh, name for each other, which is, you know, we who try to do too much. It's become an acronym. You know, for me, it's S H. Let's see, what is that? S W T T D T M, and he's H W T T D T M, right? <laughs> um, it's uh, you know, when you have a lot of interests, and you know, you kind of go, oh, well, that sounds cool, and that sounds cool, and that sounds great, and oh my gosh, what am I? You know, you're stand, you find yourself standing in a circle, tur- turning, spinning, going, I don't know what to do. So. Um, One of my main personal challenges in the last few years has been trying to come up with ways to manage that impulse. And then as a contractor, as someone who works for a lot of different people and and you kind of have to to maintain a semi-constant revenue stream, you have to manage lots of different things, lots of deadlines. And um, we're not just talking like the end deadline for delivering a sweater. We're also talking about having the communication Right. Having some of what you were just saying, email back and forth, you know, to make sure that we're on the same page of what will be delivered um, or, you know, if it's about a class, uh, what it will cover or, um, you know, getting yarn delivered in a timely fashion. Right. A lot of that back and forth is, you know, I, I'm doing a project for so and so and I, I you know, they'd like to use your yarn. Can you please send some? And oh, by the way, my deadline is, well, we can try and get it to you and then it's not come. Mm-hmm. And anyway, you get the idea. Um, I think in the 21st century, um, one of the huge problems all of us in the Western world have is juggling all of the minutiae, all of these little details mm-hmm. of our lives. Um, so anyway, so there's lots of juggling going on. And um, a day when I get to do nothing but design is very rare. Um, I mentioned the spreadsheet. So a, a day designing um, involves pulling out the spreadsheet and um, doing the, the grading and, you know, thank goodness for Excel and numbers and all of the spreadsheet programs that help us do grading more easily than it used to be in the past, more quickly and easily. Um, let's see. So quite often, Pure designing for me happens, you know, I'm doing one project and I come across, you know, as I'm browsing the, the stitch dictionary, looking for the, the one that fits what I want to do for the project, I will come across other things that are of interest. And I, I've lately taken to photocopying those pages and putting them in a folder um, and uh, pulling them out later when other things come up. You know, I, like, I got obsessed with plaid. <laughs> I think the plaid obsession has passed, but I actually got very obsessed with plaid for a while. So, you know, I have my little stickies. You guys can't see them, but you know the little um, sticky marker? Uh, they're little like half post-its, you know, little things that you put into mark pages. Um, and so... My Barbara Walker treasuries are full of those. And, um, you know, so they're stuck with the ones that were relevant to the project. And then there's the photocopied sheets of plaid patterns stuck waiting for me to do that till something apropos, appropriate, not apropos, something appropriate, a call for proposals (laughs) comes up or I get time on my own. Um, So, you know, it's not like uh, a typical designing day for me, I don't. Th- I think this is true for most people. It would not entail necessarily just sitting around swatching. Mm-hmm. Um, you might dedicate. Maybe maybe some other people do. I don't know. Not I don't typically. I I do a lot of my swatching at night um, with the, the 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 child I mentioned earlier. Um, <laughs> the child. He's twelve now. So 
the child, the boy, um, my AJ, um, you know, we've taken to watching television together. We, we've, I decided at 12, it was, it was okay if he, uh, met Buffy and, and, uh, you know, and in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that there was, there was a reference to somebody dropped, uh, a, a turn of phrase was muldering, which led to, of course, then we had to watch the X-Files, right? Because Mulder and Scully, and, um, you know, so we, we watch all these science fiction shows that he loves and I love. Doctor Who, you know, they're all big. We've, we actually got TARDIS and Dalek uh, ice cube trays. So they have to be used every night. Anyway, I'm digressing <laughs> again. Um, so, um, you know, so, you know, I do much, most of my swatching while he and I are sitting around uh, laughing over all the witticisms on, on Buffy and the, well, less so on the X-Files. There's not really much banter in there not in that kind of way um so uh, i guess that's kind of there is no typical one thing i really do love designing uh, is designing classes also gives me a real kick um maybe because i've done more of it it's easier to talk about like being able to sit around and design a class and come up with an outline and uh, brainstorming projects and i you know related to designing a class would even be designing um an article you know, in some of the calls for designs um, that I've answered in the past. And, and I think Creative Knitting has had a lot of articles um, that I've written, usually accompanied by a project. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's been a wonderful thing that the magazine has done, um, is to link those two things together. Um, I know when I like to learn, I, I you know, I can read uh, Principles of Knitting. No, yeah, right. <laughs> that's easy. Read. That's, uh, that's easy, air easy reading. Yes, reading in bed. Exactly. You know, with your head on the pillow reading. Not. Well, exactly. No. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Such a tome it is. But but I can be looking, you know, I can be reading something in there and, um, oh, I got a little, I lost myself a little bit there. Oh, right, articles, right? And, um, you know, wanting to figure out everything that should go into an article, um, and then wanting to do, uh, I think I lost what I was going to say, but but basically creating an article, you're reading something, you're like, oh, this would be a good topic for that call for proposals. Um, it would fit perfectly and I could we could just do this little area and then do a little thing like um, like the circular center mm-hmm, out. Exactly. Things. But you were talking also um, about tutorials uh, that you know teaching that go articles that go with yes. with a with an with a with a project, with and I always do that in creative thing. That's like my kind of my my thing. It always there's always it always has to be like that. I think uh, just to get the point across completely to um, the reader. One of my f- oh, favorites is yes. the weaving article that you did. I just love that. That's one of my favorites. You did. Yeah. Oh, me too. Actually, that has just taken me to a whole other place, Kara. Um, you know, I think um, that has been truly, truly inspirational. And, and one of my favorite new classes that I developed um, came out of that. You know, and for those of you, I've forgotten which issue of the magazine. It was a yellow mm-hmm. sweater a few years back, uh, embellished with, uh, you, with you crochet know, cords. I'll, I'll woven. put in the show notes because, uh, you know, what issue that is. Okay. I mean, you know, because it's, you know, available digitally, but we don't sell the hard copy, uh, you know, we don't sell the hard copy mm-hmm. back issues, but, um, I'm usually really good. I just have these, I remember, oh, it was creative knitting, you know, spring 2013 and it might be, but, um, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's a great, 
great, inspiring yeah, it, tutorial, it was, beautiful it was, work, beautiful. And you do all your own photos too, Beth. I mean, that's, that's the thing that I wanted to mention, uh, this kind of, if being that kind of all, you know, self-sufficient designer that can, because well, nowadays editors are wanting that it's, you know, we, we need designers to be able to provide the whole package and, that's why you, you know, I think is probably what part of the recipe for staying in business. Um, I would guess that that's part of your, your recipe and being scrappy. Yeah. I always say well, scrap that, being scrappy is really part of it. Is in my little um, notes here as we were talking about things was that um, uh, two things. One is that my education provided me with is the ability to bootstrap myself when I, I can figure out what I need to know and then teach myself it. Um, I think that, 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 you know, and I'm, of a, I'm past a certain age <laughs> to say, um, you know, one thing I had an advisor in college and he, at that time, Dean Van A must've been in his late sixties and he had eidetic memory. He always knew, and he was the, the, oh, I've forgotten the, what, what they're called, the student advisor. He knew everybody and he knew their schedules. That just kind of freaked me out the first time I met him. But I looked at that man and he was so vibrant. Uh, and watching, you know, in all the alumni magazines, how he continued to live, even when he got into his 80s, you know, and some of it is how physically capable you are, how much you can do is, is certainly, you know, there are going to be constraints as you get older. Um, but it was inspirational, and it has stuck with me is to always keep learning, never stop learning, never stop teaching yourself things. Um, so to circle back around there, you know, um, I, in 2002, when I had been going, you know, uh, uh, starting my own business, the CJ Knit one in the beginning, I looked at what skill set I had and, and I said, you know, I can, I think I can figure all of this out. Um, and I think it's a lot of fun to come up with the photographs, the step outs um, that help people learn things and, and get some nice close ups. And um, so if, if people are getting that from, from the articles that we do together, that's mm -hmm. great. Uh, I, I hope yeah, to keep we will. doing that. And what do you like the most about the design process? You know, like the beginning where you're brainstorming, you're thinking about this big picture thing, or like sort of in the middle when you're mapping out the, the math and the, you know, whatever, uh, or the making part, although I don't consider the making part part of the process myself. Um, but what, what part makes you feel the most on fire? Well, if I was being extremely, here's just a funny thing. Well, it's all the making, right? It's all making, but each step is making in a different way mm -hmm. and delivering a different end result. And see, this is where my brain goes into meta <laughs> mode, right? So that I should say that. Um, but it is, I, I like what each part gives me. Uh, is there a part that I really don't like? Actually, these days, the knitting is the least of it. Um, it, it, you know, I, I, if I've made my swatch for all of you out there who hate making a swatch, I, you know, I really love making swatches these days. My brain has completely flipped. I was like you. I hated the swatch. Yeah. What do you mean I have to make a swatch that's more than two by two? I don't want to do that. I want to get to the knitting. And now I've completely come around and I just like making little swatches. Little swatches I know. are fun. I mean, I, talk about that more because like I am a big fan of the gauge swatch. And not only that, it's like this, you know, beyond just making it to find your math, you know, how many stitches. It's oh, like yeah. this little treasure. And I'm like really it big is. on 
you know, uh, I love the technical side of designing, although I don't design as much as I used to, but I'm more of a artisan knitter. <laughs> That's a great, I just came up with that. Um, and, and I, t- I have bags and bags of gauge swatches, Beth, and I've Absolutely. made little purses and little like quirky boutique yes. looking like a uh, gorgeous little tiny bags that have these like vintage buttons or whatever. And those are the things you can do with them because yes. I didn't have the heart to throw these swatches away. And then I know it's like, you know, you think it's like a diamond or something, you know, but, um, it's, it was it just, is. well, you never know what you can do with it later. And then of course, or you can make an amazing infinity scarf and, it's endless. Like, like do like a three needle yep. bind off type yep. thing and add new yarn on the end of the swatch, you know, connecting swatches and keep going. Oh my Absolutely. goodness. I have one actually. I, well, it's too bad. We're not on video, but I did that with a bunch of swatches. Well, in the, and then there's the crazy quilt. Not that I've really made it yet. <laughs> um, that you can make, but I, you know, because I think at some point you do have to have some amount of compatibility of fiber. Right. And so, um, not that it needs to be no. perfect, but uh, uh, the crazy quilt of swatches is still somewhere in my head and then finding ways to join them. Um, I have to mention my, my one of my uh, stitches teacher buddy friends, Myra Wood. I mean, her big thing is the crazy quilt look. Mm. Uh, and I, I w- her book is sitting on my shelf just like it jumps out at me. You know, as, as I don't know if you guys have this experience, but sometimes you look at a bookshelf full of knitting books and they certain ones want right to jump there. at you. <laughs> this Exactly. They want to jump in your lap. Uh, that's one of the ones that wants to jump in my lap mm. and my fingers just kind of itch. Um, you know, in particular, like just certain things kind of sit... Exactly. Domino oh. knitting. Yes. <laughs> I just, I, I just showed the book. See this phase two of this podcast is going to be video. I'm just a little bit nervous about it right now uh. because uh, there's lots of <laughs> bells and whistles or there's lots of, uh, not bells and whistles, but things mm-hmm. to get in line. Here's know, another one. Things, things Look at these cool. And this is a Japanese, uh, oh, you know, the, awesome. I tell you these Japanese bo- knitting books are just phenomenal and they're Fantastic. illustrations. You don't even need to know how to you don't need to read and the hard part it's I have all about visual. those the, exactly so the thing I, the problem I have with those because again I'm well I haven't said this yet I'm a book person so like the book seeing a book is ex, as exciting as seeing skeins of yarn both of them want to jump into my lap and go home <laughs> with me so so the thing with the Japanese books is or my problem with the Japanese books is not only are all the projects intriguing and want to, I want to make them but also the way that the patterns are laid out. So one of my other little pet interests is information design. It's the way that information is put on a page that communicates with people. And so the Japanese knitting patterns try to do that without words, right? So they don't spoon feed us. They give us diagrams and numbers. Um, And I think they do a really interesting, it's not something that we're used to in the US. I think more people are trying to work from them than in the past because those objects that they make are so beautiful. Um, but it's, it is a new way of, of conveying information mm-hmm. uh, than we're used to. So anyway, sorry, I got a little oh, no, sidetrack cool. there. Pet yeah. interests. So at the end of this, um, I, I just had this uh-huh. like random thought. Um, so like okay. at the end, uh, <laughs> um, Vicki Howell did this the other day. So she's going to be on the show uh-huh. is, 
you know, so uh, she took a photo of our Skype session. Like she took, you know, she held up her camera. Oh, and yeah. Up. And so she took a yep. picture of me talking. She's like, just keep talking, just keep talking. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So I think I'm going to do this before we're done. But you've got lots of, do you mind? I mean, you got lots of paraphernalia in the background. And I was thinking of, um, I've just taken one of oh, you. Oh, you did? Did you? <laughs> I should, uh, this should yes. be like, no, no go this ahead. Cool. I should I do it. Oh, wait a minute. I can do a screen. Uh, what do you call it? Print screen? I'm going to do that right now. Yes. Screen uh, grab. Yeah. Do you want me to lean left or right? I mean, there's there's that wall behind me. No, no. Stay stay in the center. On. Stay in the center. Print. Okay. I'm just trying to make sure I got the right <sighs> um, right one here. Wait. <laughs> I'm moving on you, aren't I? <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So anyway, oh, I got sidetracked because I'm just thinking this would be fun. Like after every episode, Absolutely. before it goes live, like to do like a like a teaser. social media yeah, teaser. teaser. Yay! Absolutely. So, um, but I'm just going to see if I can uh, get that. I'm, I, I keep. I know. I know that Beth, you're a really big Evernote fan. I'm like. I, am. I remember the first. I, oh, good. I got it. Oh, that's pretty cool. Excellent. Oh, this is a good one. Um, how can I? I was thinking I could just like uh, copy it and share it in the in the in the. You can. You can drag it into the Skype chat. Skype is good that way. Oh, so I like, I can it. send you okay, mine. You can yep. you see it? And there's, Could you, wait, is it kind of delayed a little bit? Yep, it's on a delay. There's <laughs> yours, and I just have to click a little down bow button. So I did both of us, see? So so that, oh, like, cool. I'm going to share yeah. it like that. That's great. So everybody, uh, sure. you know, keep a lookout. <laughs> oh, my mouth oh, open. Should I do it again, uh, though? <gasps> yeah, if you would. <laughs> try again. I'll try and hold still. You can just smile. Okay. I just got and there's a cool little swatch underneath my, uh, anyway. Oh, just, we're just, you know, chit-chatting cool. and, oh, that's right. We're recording a podcast. Um, Indeedy do. I like it. All right. Are we yeah. back on? No, we are. I figured we, we could probably just oh. keep on going. Um, but I got your little. Sure. Is that a problem with the little buttons on the bottom or should I do it again? Nah, it's fine. They, they could be on my chin. That's all right. All right. It's all good. Um, so, so we kind of, let's show, let's get back. Where were we? Um, but we talked about the magic recipe for staying, you know, just staying in business. We sort of started that. Did we sort of start that? I mean, um, I don't think so. Let's we see. We, we did. We've started talking about staying, um, well, in, in the broader context, actually, of life, of like staying young is one way, staying active, um, but what, not in the context of uh, iterate and mm. innovate, which was some notes that I had to myself. So do you want to kick us off or yeah. see? Where were we? We can just keep on, you know, keep on going. Here, let me, let me, uh, okay. um, let me just uh, start with... Um, Gosh, um, I felt like we could have kept going. I mean, like I, that was kind of fun anyway, yeah. but you know, how about, um, sharing Beth, if you can share a major setback or a failure that actually helped you learn, you know, can you kind of go into okay. that? What do you, what do you think? Yeah. Do you want to talk about a setback as a knitter? I have an interesting one that's, I've been thinking about lately or, uh, industry. Hmm. Well, you know, because um, the Power Pearls podcast, uh, we've got both designers and we have your everyday knitters. So, um, you know, maybe hey, you so could talk about both or if it's not too crazy sure. long or which whatever one you think is the most poignant okay. for 
the community. So I, I had pulled out, um, you know, when we were doing the, you know, color work without the work, the video, um, I started pulling out some of my earlier work, my, my first things that I knit um, when I picked knitting back up again were color. And so there's this stranded color sweater that I made um, uh, years and years ago. And it's an Annabelle Fox sweater in a Rowan magazine. And I had had the person, again, this was really early on. I was a beginning knitter, maybe advanced beginner. I was an adventurous beginner. Um, And I really wanted to make this sweater, but they did not have the background color for the sweater. It was a substitution situation. Mm. And so she helped me find the yarn to use as the background color for this very colorful sweater. Um, They had the other colors, the contrast colors. They'd had the yarn that was called for in stock. Um, The yarn that she helped me, that she suggested, turned out to be more Aran than worsted DK. And um, it completely you know again I was a believer at the time in the two by two inch swatch uh, and I don't I'm not actually 100% sure that that swatch was in stranded color which now of course I know that it should have been a stranded color swatch not just a solid color background swatch Um, so this sweater instead of being a big baggy boyfriend sweater big baggy boyfriend (laughs) sweater it was a I'm I'm tall for those of you who don't know I'm 5'9". Um, and instead of being a big baggy boyfriend sweater that came down over my hips, it was a Mm -hmm. waist high cropped sweater whose sleeves were too short because again, I have the gargantuan length arms that go with the five foot nine height, um, gorilla arms as it were. And so the arms were too short and, um, this became apparent when I started to put it together. And so I thought, well, okay, with the help of my knitting group at work and uh, some graph paper and some reading that I'd been doing, I am going to redo my sleeves. And so I, this is my, I guess you could say is my first designing really that I tried to figure out the rate of increase that would give me sleeves that were closer in length to my arm length rather than the compacted gauge that I was getting, which didn't, you know, I was okay with the cropped look. Mm-hmm. It actually looks pretty good, cropped, shorter sweater. Um, um, so, so I had to pull out the graph paper and figure out the rates of increase uh, on my own. Mm-hmm. And, um, so was very proud of myself when it was done. Um, but it was an agonizing process to discover that this sweater wasn't going to work and have put it all together and then have to take it all apart. And then the, because of the gauge mismatch of stitch to row, when I put the bands on, the bands were all puckery and, and not in right shape. So then I had to f- learn that myself, like that um, in order to have an inch worth of stitches, you know, you have to put pick up in a row – how do I want to say this? You have to pick up an inch worth of stitches in a, in a row's worth, in an inch worth of rows. Inches must match inch. Mast, oh, man. <laughs> Talk about mangling your words. Inch An inch of stitches must match an inch of rows. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, well, I learned more about stranded color and floats across the back. When I look at the inside of that sweater compared to how I would do it now, it's just a mass of, because whatever reference I'd read, it had said, you know, twist yarns around each other 
And so I twisted yarns around each other. It's a very warm sweater. Um, uh, last thing I can share with you that I learned is I had been reading, and, and the sw- sleeves were still too short, mind you. Okay, I lengthened them when I redid them, but they were still too short. Uh, but I wasn't going to redo them at that point. It's like the sweater is done. It's done. I'm lucky it's not <laughs> in the bottom of the closet becoming a UFO. Um, and it was too pretty. The rest of it was too pretty to become a UFO. So the last thing that I learned out of this was I had been reading that you could cut your knitting and knit in the other direction, meaning you could cut just above the cast on and pick up loops and knit southward, as it were. And I looked at my sleeves and I looked at what I'd been reading and I went, huh, what do I have to lose? So I pulled out where the seam was and I cut my knitting after taking a lot of really deep breaths. And sure enough, they were right. You could pick up the loops and go in the other direction. Um, So I learned that lesson, Mm. you know, some of you maybe have, you know, the I think in the class, actually, we talk about doing a provisional cast on so you can work in the other direction mm-hmm. uh, for it's the brim on the on the oh. um, hat. Well, it's, it's like magical mistakes, right? I mean, like I know Absolutely. that um, when I'm knitting, you know, and I'm feeling a little bit inhibited, inhibited. Yeah. In, in, intimidated? In, no, inhibited. Like I'm stuck. I'm kind of inhibited. Okay. Ugh, you know, I don't want to try that uh, thing because oh, you, like, you want it to be, you want to do it right and get it right. And, you know, and so you can sometimes, I can feel myself sort of, I can stifle myself a little bit. But then when you're in that mode of swatching, you know, and, and just enjoying it um, and letting whatever happened happen, um, it's, uh, you know, you discover mistakes or you know it's mistakes that might be really wonderful new you know techniques right. that you want to use or a technique that you you, you know you know what i'm saying i mean it's just oh yeah that, so the, a mistake how do I, how do i always put this in class do it once and it's a mistake but if you do it over and over again it's a stitch pattern i know it's really true yeah. and you know when you think about the experts you know in the in, in our industry or you know, the celebrities mm-hmm. or the, the, you know, the, those pioneers like, uh, you know, Deborah Newton, uh, you know, yes. she, yeah, Lynn I mean, Barr. like Lynn I just, Barr. she just came to mind, but you know, it's, um, just ripping back, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rip, 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 you know, uh, you you just, you just keep going, keep trying. If something doesn't work, rip, you know, if it doesn't rip. Um, and so when you have, when you take a few steps back, it's going to help you take a few steps forward. I mean, that's and it. we can translate that because we're making our metaphors yeah. here, right? You, it, what we can do in our knitting, we can do in our lives. So, right, with that bigger thing, that the thing, the advice that I try to take myself, it, it, that is to bring that same attitude into my business, mm-hmm. right? You try something, you try something, you try something. What works, you keep. What doesn't work, you jettison or rethink it if it's something you really want to do. Uh, you know, we always talk about throwing the spaghetti against the wall, throw the spaghetti against the wall, figures out, figure out what sticks. Um, and so, you know, I'd like to hope, you know, thinking back to my, my friend, the Dean again, that I will continue to, to learn and innovate and iterate, mm, yeah. <laughs> iterate, innovate. Uh, there should be a third I in there so we can go for the assonance, I guess. But mm-hmm. anyway. So very cool. So 
share your single most best habit that contributes to your success. My habit, the the habit that I have that contributes to success. Well, okay, Uh, maybe (laughs) you kind of, I wish everyone could have seen the face, mm. but, um, but you know, let's just say it's like this, is there one thing that you do every day that, you know, it could be so quirky, you know, like something that you do daily or something that you do to catch yourself if you start, you know, losing it, you losing your, you know, your way, like what? You know, like for me, it's like I said earlier, when we were in the pre-chat, for me, it's getting Mm -hmm. up early. It's getting up in the morning. That's, that's an overarching habit. Like it covers many, many, many things, right? Just the fact that I plant my two feet on the floor at 4.15 in the morning, (laughs) you know, it's crazy hard, man. But like, is there something that you do that maybe you don't always do because we're not perfect, but when you do it, it really adds so much value the the thing that i'll say that i do it's it's uh, i would say so i used to run a lot again i mentioned ultimate and i was a Mm -hmm. jock all through my life i've been a a jock a sporty girl and um the last few years have been a little harder to find time for that um and i i've gotten out of the habit but I, what I did start doing was taking a walk at lunch with a friend. And it's not every day. It's, you know, we both work from home. Um, so, you know, just getting out of, because I work from my home, um, from my office, my office is a stones. My bed is that way. You guys can't see this either, but it's about six feet to my left. But they can, um, they can imagine it when they see the post that I just placed on Facebook of our screen grab. That's true. <laughs> That's true. They'll be able to see it's six feet to my left, maybe not even six feet, three feet. Okay. So it's right there. And um, this habit of taking a walk, of getting out of, it's out of my physical space, but it also takes me out of my mental space. She and I just chitty chat. So part of it is making a, you know, we have a, a contract with each other to do this, you know, two or three, four times a week, whatever, whatever we can spare based on our schedules. And there's something about the physical exercise, the mental disengagement for whatever we've been focusing on. So, you know, what I've been focusing on that morning, like taking a break from it. Like sometimes you really have to walk away from it and then you come back to it more refreshed. Mm -hmm. Getting outside um, and breathing deeply of air the way you have to when you just take a walk. Um, I find that that is some, it's a habit I'd love to be better at. I'd love to get back to running Mm -hmm. every day. Uh, but if that's not possible, at least get out and take, take a walk. And I I sometimes post those photos, you know, uh, from, you know, hashtag lunch walk on Instagram. uh, If you're at all curious, Uh, some shots of San Francisco Um, or little things. We, the the reason I I've become enamored of Instagram, because I, I think like you, I see the world very visually. Um, And so we've come across the strangest things. And if you've ever been to San Francisco, um, it, there's a lot of, but even taking your walk in your own neighborhood and trying to look and see what is around you can be a fascinating experience, like see shapes. And, and I'm talking about everything from tile work on someone's driveway mm. to, um, let's see, a to a leaf, to odd little, one, one guy, one house had these little wire sculptures like little Mm. people 
like they were, they were only about six inches tall, but they were so cute. Two of them facing each other to one time she and I were walking and I kind of wish I'd kept this, you know, free cycling is, is something that's gained in popularity. And we, we, you know, you, we put it out here on the curb in San Francisco and it tends to disappear right away. So yay uh, for that. And, but the crate of free cycle stuff on the curb that we walked past had this photograph. It was Cher and Dolly Parton. <laughs> And I took a picture and I posted it um, uh, to Facebook and to Instagram. I think I Instagrammed it. Might have been before my Instagram obsession, but um, posted it. And you know, I just walked on because I was laughing about it. And I immediately, you know, my one of my my brother in law to be said, um, "Oh, I would love that," you know. <laughs> and and I thought. You know, and I had a couple other people clamoring for it. I'm like, gosh, I, I should have picked that up. I should have just taken it home because I could have sent it and made somebody's day. That's um, pretty cool. You know, so anyway, just, uh, but I do love having these little photos of this walk mm. and trying to see the world yeah. around us, all the little quirky things I can, that are there. I, I can just. It can make you smile. Exactly. And. I can relate in my own way because that's kind of how the morning cool down started. My, my other podcast uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. from, uh-huh. you know, I started recording how, you know, thoughts and, and insights that I had after my run. Cause you know, I knew, I know you said uh-huh. that you used to run. Well, I love to run and I run every morning and, um, <laughs> No, no. I mean, I have a routine, you know, I, so 4.30 at 4.30, 4.15 actually is when the alarm sounds. Um, but you know, I, I, I start my morning with, uh, knitting and I listen to podcasts. So, and a lot of it is learning, mm-hmm. at, you know, I'm, it's like, I'm, I'm giving myself a little mini education every day, you know, so that's, that's where, you know, that's what I love to do. And then I go out a little bit later and run and, and, uh, and so that's my inspiration. But anyway, um, so, okay. so we're, you know, we've been talking a while. This is great. I mean, I could just keep, keep on going, I know, but we can we, forever, forever and ever, but, but, but let's, should. let's go with this. Um, so I want, sure. I want to ask you to share a parting piece of advice or guidance for the listeners. And then after that, we'll say goodbye, but actually, actually, before we say goodbye, okay. you will let the, you will give the listeners, uh, uh, information about where they can find right. you, where they can find me so i think you know i've I've been trying to think uh, for various reasons like what what could i say here and i think that the thing that i'm i'm coming back around to is do what you love and don't stop Hmm. power through all of the adversity um one of my favorite words is serendipity. I read it somewhere. And it, it is um, the idea that you're looking for one thing, but the universe, if you're aware, the universe will bring you something else better when you least expect it. Hmm. You know, you're looking for one thing and something else, if, you, if you're open to it, something else will present to you. And hmm. that will be a serendipitous event in your life. That's great. So, but don't stop. Don't stop. I think that's going to be my two words. Don't stop. Don't stop believing. I'm going to start singing. I know. Well, I am in San Francisco. Oh, that's right. So journey. The city by the bay. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. I don't know what that sounds like. But, um, yeah, I was was a journey freak, by the way. I loved Uh, Steve Perry. I loved Steve Perry when I was a little girl. 
But anyway, so Beth, yeah. this was awesome, and we're definitely going to chat again. I'm glad that we we just realized there were some things we need to get back to, like those roots that we started. Yes. We got to dig in, and when we when I start planning a new issue of the magazine, we're going to jump on Skype. We're going to brainstorm and come up with some really great solutions. So I can't wait. Um, thank you, Kara, for having me. If your listeners are are at all interested, they can find me on. Uh, Instagram and Skype and everywhere else out there as Beth Wah. That's a whole other story we can talk about next time is why it's B-E-T-H-W-A-A-A. Facebook uh, business page, Beth Whiteside Design and BethWhitesideDesign.com. Awesome. And this will all be in the show notes. So, you know, if the spelling wasn't caught, you know, correctly or whatever. We'll make sure there's not short, a shortage right. of A's. Well, thanks again, Beth. This was awesome. Thank you, Kara. I greatly enjoy our talking, always. Okay, so before I sign off, I want to clue you in about a really exciting thing that's happening later this month. It's the Annie's Craft Festival, and it's happening in Fort Wayne, Indiana at the Grand Wayne Center, October 30th through November 1st. And this is a -a one-of-a-kind festival that's featuring classes taught by top instructors in knitting, of course, in crochet, quilting, sewing, card making, and many other crafting categories. There's also going to be an exclusive shopping area Uh, offering a wide array of crafting merchandise, demonstrations, lectures, and there'll also be uh, many learn-to opportunities as well. And there's going to be some really cool evening events. Uh, On Friday night, there will be a gala dinner with New York Times bestselling author, Debbie Maycomer, and she will be the keynote speaker at the event as well. And then on Saturday night, October 31st, there will be a Halloween cocktails and crafts party, and I will be the MC at that event. So check it out by going to annie'scraftfestival.com, and you can find out how to register. You can check out all the classes. And also, I will be there at the Annie's booth. So please, I would love to see you. Come on over, stop by, come get a free copy of Creative Knitting, a free signed copy. And, you know, it's going to be a fun time. So I hope to see you. And that's October 30th. So it's Friday, October 30th through Sunday, November 1st. I hope to see you there.